0: This year has been a very tough year for many and I would like to close this year with our 20th episode of Site Chat. In this episode, I spoke to Dr. Richard McKinnon of Work Life Psych on well-being. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have any comments or suggestions, please send them to sitechat@omniscite.com at omniscient.com or tweet to site_chat. underscore chat. Hi there. Welcome to episode 20 of Psych Chat. In today's episode, I am delighted to have Dr. Richard McKinnon of Work Life Psych to speak to us on wellness. Hi there, Richard. How are you?
1: I'm great. Thank you very much for inviting me on. It's great to see you again.
0: Let's start perhaps with an introduction. Uh, Would you mind just introducing yourself to our listeners?
1: Yep. So I'm Richard McKinnon. I'm a chartered psychologist. Uh, I've been working as a practitioner psychologist for about 20 years. Um, Like many people, um, I'm originally from Dublin and I came to London for one year to do my master's and 20 years later, I'm I'm still here. Um, I founded my business six years ago to focus on people development in the workplace. So that involves coaching. Individuals, working with teams uh, to develop them in a direction that's helpful for them, um, uh, training across a broad range of relevant themes like well being, like productivity, like effectiveness, and then creating and running longer term development programs for a range of employees.
0: Thank you, Richard, for the introduction. Now, you have been talking a little bit about uh, well being or, or wellness. Uh, I was just wondering what are the tips that you can share with uh, our listeners and especially. This time where everybody's going through um, the COVID-19 pandemic
1: yeah and I think you know you can use either word here but uh, the main point uh, that I try and make when I talk about well-being is is I echo what the World Health Organization says that it's not just the absence of a disease you know our well-being is much more uh, a joined up and holistic uh view of the human being are you well are you thriving in terms of your psychological well-being your physical well-being your social well-being and social connection. And of course, all of these things can be challenged uh, during a global pandemic, obviously, but really challenged by the working at home experience if that's not something that you're used to doing. Because we're talking about some skills here that not everyone has, but we're also talking about a situation where multiple domains of life, the work, the family, the social, the, uh, the leisure and uh, exercise... Are all being challenged at the same time and that can be very overwhelming for individuals so my approach is to keep it simple is to give people insight that these domains exist to help them understand why they feel the way they do and how they've responded the way they have responded and equip them with some tools to navigate this challenge a little bit more sustainably
0: thank you richard Uh, obviously your uh, perspective is very evidence-based Uh, Often, this is not the case for organizations. Uh, When it comes to well-being and wellness, uh, I often encounter organizations think that if I could provide a fruit basket, space for meditation or uh, yoga, uh, I'm doing enough for my employees. Surely, it is more than just that. Uh, What are the things that organizations should be mindful of?
1: I think that that's, um, if we look at it with a with a very um, sympathetic perspective, organizations have been scrambling around this year trying to find solutions to support their employees. And maybe those organizations that haven't focused on well-being really um, are, are looking for quick solutions that they can quickly deploy. And that can take the form of all kinds of things, not necessarily rooted in uh, scientific evidence. So I try and look at that from a sympathetic perspective. It's coming from a place the challenge is it's not necessarily going to have the impact that they're looking for and so I try and guide my clients and organizations I speak with into the realms of what works or what's likely to work and you know a, a prime example is sleep you know if people aren't getting sufficient sleep it's going to undermine all the other things they might try and do. It's going to undermine their yoga, their fruit basket, but it's also going to make it more difficult to concentrate, to manage your emotions, to make good decisions. And it's not necessarily something that involves huge changes in life to improve the quality of your sleep. And so both organizations and employees will will be receptive to that message. What I try and do is, is introduce things that aren't disruptive in a negative way, but can have a real impact in a positive way and that benefit all parties.
0: Uh, With the pandemic that we are all experiencing, especially now in the UK, you are experiencing another lockdown. uh, And here in Asia, uh, in Hong Kong, where I am, uh, there's also more stringent restriction now at the moment uh, to curb this uh, spreading of this pandemic. Now, of course, most of people are now working from home, where the line between work and home life is blurred at the moment. uh, And there is this expectation that... Uh, employees should be online or facing in front of the uh, computer 24-7. And I think employees are also feeling that there is a kind of uh, implicit uh, demand on their part to be constantly be seen online so as not to feel that they are not actually working. Uh, How do they navigate such situation or such feelings at this moment? Uh, What would be your advice?
1: I, it's a really good question and i don't think there's a one size fits all solution for this but when i work with organizations on this uh, topic i kicked off a program just yesterday with a with a new client and we started with a working at home webinar and i just approached it from the perspective that yes there's been a lot of disruption yes working at home can be new for a lot of people, but it's also here to stay for quite some time. So let's move away from crisis management and working in a crisis to a way of working that's more sustainable and that you're likely to be doing for months and months. I also make the point that it's going to require change, change on everybody's part. So one of the traps we can easily fall into when we start to work remotely is that we simply try to replicate the physical work environment. And what that looks like, back-to-back meetings, lots of face-to-face time, lots of conversations, when in fact, the remote working gives us a great opportunity to work asynchronously, to be super productive by ourselves, and to make contact with people when it's helpful to do so. And that doesn't require us to have cameras on all the time. um, Because one of the things that we very easily forget is that when we're in the workplace, we're being our workplace selves in a physical shared environment. When we're at home, We don't have the control over the environment that we might like. So I'm speaking to you from my home today, and I'm midway through a a technical reorganization of the, the study here, and it's very suboptimal, but you're being very understanding, and I appreciate that. But for many people, they don't have a separate room to work in. They're maybe sharing the kitchen table with their spouse. They've maybe got small kids running around the place, animals that are making noise, neighbors, so we need to also adopt this flexibility that people aren't necessarily going to be their best selves because the environment does not support it managers need to understand that people are undergoing additional strain not just the worry of pandemic but also how do i appear to the people that i'm on camera with how how productive am i being when is this going to end uh, how, how do i how do i look this morning you know when the camera goes on and so it's an old message, but i really try and encourage managers and leaders, focus on the outputs. Don't focus on the how much time is someone in front of you. Don't focus on, oh, how quickly do they respond to my message? Are they getting good work done? Yeah. If so, what's the problem?
0: Now, Richard, you mentioned about asynchronous working. Uh, it would be nice uh, if you could explain to us what exactly it is. Now, in Asia, especially uh, in Hong Kong, uh, things move very fast, and there's always this propensity for people to... Uh, get things done quickly, um, and you know they don't want to spend additional time on other things. Uh, so being uh, asynchronous doesn't mean that we need to learn another uh, uh, new technology, use a different platform to do so. Uh, what would be uh, the way to be more efficient in terms of your perspective of uh, working asynchronously?
1: Oh, absolutely. So let's think of it more as a philosophy, first of all, and then you can move into platforms and apps. Uh, That can be the exciting end of things, absolutely. But let's talk about asynchronous as a philosophy. What it means is if you and I were colleagues, we could work together on the same project in different time zones, completely on the other side of the planet. And I could work, but I would be required to work in a way that I was Basically, leaving a trail of breadcrumbs for you to explain, this is what I've done today. This is how I've done it. Here are my questions for you that are outstanding. When you pick this up, now you know where to start. And when you would finish your working day, for example, you would leave me an update on what you've done, what problems you've solved, what's still outstanding. So a big difference is we don't need to be face-to-face all the time. And secondly, we have a shared workspace where we can see what are you working on. And how are you doing with that? What that means is we don't have to keep scheduling meetings. There's um, a trust because we've got visibility of the work that's going on. And it allows me to work at a time that works for me. And that's not necessarily my time zone. You know, lots of people are finding great benefits in the flexibility of working at home where they feel, well, I'm a morning person. I get up at five anyway. What's to stop me starting at 6 a.m.? That's my prime time. Unfortunately, if the workplace doesn't flex around that and they're still operating in a nine to five, uh, that, that doesn't suit everyone's body clock. But asynchronous working moves us away from the uh, let's be online at the same time and moves us to let's have clarity of the work and let's make sure it gets done.
0: Thank you, Richard, for sharing what asynchronous uh, work is and how uh, effective it can become uh, for people, especially in a different time zones. Um, would you be able to also recommend some platform that one could use?
1: Well, let me start with what's not a great platform, and that's email. Okay. Because email has moved away from its initial intention to share information across distances to being a catch-all for all communication. So there are, there are many platforms out there that you can use to illustrate your working. I was discussing this recently um, on our podcast, and we just used the example of Trello. Trello is a, an app that we actually use to produce the podcast because um, uh, my co-host and I never meet face-to-face. Uh, we're both in London, but we never meet to do it. We do it remotely. And our sound engineer is based in the north of Scotland. So we never meet either. And we use these Trello boards the, the analogy is you've got a board and you stick cards to the board and we just update what we're doing and we tick boxes to demonstrate I've done my bit, I've done my bit. And then every so often I'll have a look to see has that other thing been done? Mm-hmm. I get notifications if they're really important. So on the day of a podcast episode going live, um, Ross, our sound engineer, will tick a box that the sound edit is complete, but he'll also send me an instant message Just in case, I want to get cracking on that really quickly. But we've got this breadcrumb trail where I don't need to keep contacting people to say, are you done? Is it ready? What are we going to do next week? It's visible to everyone. And that's asynchronous work in a nutshell.
0: I think using platform to help us to be more efficient in the way we do things uh, is definitely the way to go. Uh, And I like the the concept that you were saying about leaving breadcrumbs uh, for people to just kind of follow through. Uh, This is something I believe will be actually quite useful for people in Asia where everything is on demand, everything has to be done very quickly. Now, you mentioned a little bit about this word flexibility. I'm just wondering whether uh, are you basing it on a particular model uh, that you are encouraging people to be a bit more flexible in the way they are doing things and also in the way they think?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, from the working at home perspective, it's to adopt a bit of flexibility when you view yourself and a bit of self-compassion. So you're not in the same environment anymore. Why is it in any way helpful to have the same mindset about yourself and your work? The context has changed. So your views of it need to change as well. And the flexibility comes in there. Now, you and I both uh a, utilize acceptance and commitment theory as an underpinning of a lot of the work that we do. And and that builds psychological flexibility. And that is core to what I'm doing with individuals in a coaching context, but also in a training context, Mm. allowing people to view themselves flexibly, to pay attention to the context and adapt to that and to respond flexibly to the challenges that come their way. Uh, Many of which, and this is really relevant this year, many of these challenges are completely out of our control. So why would we expend time and energy trying to control what's uncontrollable? And that's everything from other people's behavior in public through to what politicians are doing or not, or what scientists are doing regarding a vaccine, all outside of our control. Mm. And so a major pillar of what I'm trying to teach people is when you're looking after your own well-being, when you're navigating these challenges, focus on what's controllable and accept what you can't and accept that it's uncomfortable. But that's okay.
0: Richard, definitely those uh, are very good advice. And to me, I think people are still feeling very uncomfortable with this new setup, working from home. Uh, there's still a lot of uh, expectation coming from them, or they think there are a lot of expectation uh, uh, from the organization itself. And uh, there's this fear of adapting and changing. Uh, you know, and then to me, it's always... Uh, Difficult to tell them that it is okay. Sometimes uh, we can only uh, take time to control those things that we can control. Uh, things that we is beyond our control. Uh, there's no need to spend too much time fretting about it. Um, and you know, it's, it's very difficult for people to embrace that uh, to think very differently. Now, in your work, how do you do that? How do you actually convince people, or rather? Uh, help them to actually have a different type of perspective, um, to embrace that ability to be a bit more flexible.
1: Well, for many of the people that I'm working with on a one-to-one basis, they've adapted to many of the changes admirably. You know, it's really worked for them. It's just not uh, adaptation to everything. So as a hook if you like, I'll point out how they have adapted and we'll explore how that worked for them. And that's often because they viewed it from a positive perspective. Mm. So a very simple example would be the people that say, you know, working at home is a double-edged sword. There are positives and there are negatives. So for example, uh, the positives are, um, I get to spend more time with my family or I don't have to commute for 90 minutes in the morning and 90 minutes in the evening and I get that time back or I can go for a run at lunchtime. So they're big changes to someone's routine, and yet they can see the positives associated with them, so they adapt to them. So I'll explore the other changes that are maybe being inflicted on them by the workplace or society at large and say, let's explore some of the benefits of this, some of the positives, but also let's be really honest about what you don't like about it. And is it because you think it should be different or and and you're not accepting it or is it that you're fearful of something that hasn't even happened yet and then we're back into the realms of of psychological flexibility and the core skill of diffusion getting some space between you and your thoughts Mm -hmm. and letting people understand that you know thoughts are powerful and they take many forms in terms of predictions and images and memories and they can be very very demanding of us once people understand oh I don't have to do anything with that thought and it could be about anything, but it could be very fearful. It could be very full of anxiety. I don't need to do anything with that. And in fact, I've got lots of stuff in front of me that needs my attention. So I think I'll focus on that instead. Yeah. Starting with small examples, people then, as, as per, our, our, you know, discussions of mindfulness, they can bring their focus back to the here and now, helpfully. And all that other stuff is still happening. But it's outside of that bubble of this is what's important to me right now.
0: Richard, I totally agree with you what you said. I think it is very important for us to be aware of our our own thoughts and also our our, our own emotions and things will still carry on, whether we like it or not, uh, maybe good or bad. What we need to be uh, mindful of is to be aware and uh, take a step back and not try to get yourself uh, engulfed in in rumination or fighting against those thoughts and Mm emotions. Now, uh, with regards to that, I I saw a uh, post on LinkedIn Uh, And it was something to do with how are psychologists taking care of themselves, uh, their mental health rather, uh, in this time of the uh, COVID-19. Now, both of us are psychologists. Uh, I would be very interested to see or hear from you. uh, How are you actually taking care of yourself uh, in in this uh, pandemic period?
1: So it's a, it's a really interesting question because when you're, um, when I use act in my coaching practice, one of the things that's really helpful is use of self. So for example, talking about my own experience, not to illustrate that I'm the exemplar or I'm what you should be aiming to become, but to illustrate the shared humanity of a lot of these experiences. Mm-hmm. So to talk about anxiety, to talk about fear, to talk about frustration, to illustrate, you're not the only person that has this. Now, when it comes to self-care during a pandemic, I'm in no way the exemplar here at all. Mm-hmm. I, I know what works and I know what works for me. So some of the things that work really, really, really well for me, and they're important to me, uh, are sleep, uh, daylight, um uh hydration you know effectively i'm just a, a house plant with some emotions um but i know what works for me yeah. and I, but i also know the stuff that i find very difficult you know, i find uh external changes a real challenge and I, you know the big scale changes what i can't do and so what benefits me is to notice that i'm getting caught up in thoughts about that yeah. stuff and i'm feeling the emotions about that stuff so what do i do go for a walk get some fresh air, get some daylight while, while I can during the day. And I also find uh, writing really beneficial. You know, I maintain a journal and it might not be a long entry each day, but it goes into my app and I talk about that. And I talk about what I'm grateful for as mm-hmm. well. So there's a little toolkit there because I don't think I could um, be as happy as I am if I was talking about coping strategies mm-hmm. several times a week and not using any of those strategies myself. Yeah. but it's also important to note that this isn't just because you know this stuff it doesn't make a global pandemic easy it makes it slightly easier
0: i like the fact that you were saying that it is very important to uh normalize things that it doesn't only really happen to you it happens to everybody else maybe in a different context uh, uh one of the things that i i feel that People always come up to me. You know, being a psychologist, you will probably have the magic one. You will know how to solve all those issues, uh, because you 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 have uh, the knowledge to do so. Uh, Of course, that's that is actually a misnomer that is not uh, true because we are also human. Uh, But when I do my work with with, um, uh, my clients, sometimes in coaching, one of the questions I always get from them is, "Why are you so upbeat? You know, why why are you always so happy when you are doing that?" And you are so passionate in the way you do your coaching, you know, uh, I've never actually think about it. Uh, Perhaps maybe the fact that I I love to talk and and that's why it kind of resonates with them uh, the way I I, uh, do my coaching. But I think the greatest satisfaction is when you are able to uh, share with them the things that, uh, in terms of using acceptance and commitment training here uh, to help them to see uh, how they could apply those skills to them. Uh it really warms my heart when I hear uh, uh how they've applied and how successful it was for them. Uh one one coach I was just talking earlier on was telling me that uh, uh he she was able to apply those skills that I've actually uh, taught her. And then when she was talking to one of her colleagues, uh she was going through some uh negative thoughts and emotion and uh she kind of recommended I said, Oh why don't you try these skills? And uh and then she was sharing with me that uh the colleague felt better after doing that, and and could see uh, uh, the way you're dealing all those negative thoughts and emotion, perspective taking. And I was telling her, no, no, uh, isn't that great that you're able to not only just apply for yourself, but you're actually helping people, and that she could now be also be, be a coach. Really, uh, one of the things that I like to use with my coaches is the cartoon voice, uh, and especially with videos at this time. Sometimes when you see them doing it on videos, uh. Uh, you know they really get it when you see the smile in, in their face uh, that they, they, they know why they are doing the whole cartoon voice, repeating the negative thoughts and emotion and to kind of diminish the impact of those uh, thoughts and emotion. Obviously, we are lucky to understand the principle, the philosophy of what acceptance and uh, commitment training is. Um, not everybody has uh, that knowledge. but it, in, in your work that you do, uh, what are the tips uh, that you could actually offer to perhaps uh, our listeners here uh, with regards to being more psychological flexible uh, in their lives?
1: I, I, absolutely. And, and I'd return to what you just said there about how can you remain upbeat while doing a demanding job in the middle of a pandemic? You know, that sounds like a recipe for disaster. <laughs> well, well, actually, I've been asked that question by coaches this year. You know, they say, well, you seem really happy today. You know, <laughs> How do you do that (laughs) I think there's a recipe there which is I'm doing something that allows me to use my skills Mm. I'm doing something that allows me to put my values into action on a daily basis Mm. and I'm doing something that enables me to get real-time feedback you know like you I'm coaching people via video I can see them I can hear them Um, I can see the impact that their application of the skills is having for their for their lives so that's a recipe for me that that really works For everybody else, I think it comes down to this. And this is how I remind people of the the key ingredients. Show up. Be in the here and now. And when you notice that you're not, when you notice you're going to the past or the future in your mind, just gently bring yourself back to the here and now and see, where do I want to put my attention? Is it the document in front of me? Is it my spouse that I'm having dinner with? Is it the TV show I'm watching? So show up. The second ingredient is let go. When you notice that you're getting caught up with thoughts and emotions inside and they're taking you away from what you want to do drop the rope it's a tug of war and you're not going to win it so drop that rope let go of those struggles Mm -hmm. and the third is uh, get moving take helpful action and so if we're not getting caught up with thoughts and emotions what do we use to make our decisions and that's a frequent question well the answer is use your values use what's really meaningful and important to you and go in that direction. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm making it sound very simple. These are principles, but they're also skills that people can acquire. And I think one of the most important things in the middle of the pandemic is to be aware of where your mind is taking you. And For many people, it's taking us to an anxious future that hasn't happened yet. So our minds are trying to solve a problem that isn't really a problem. But if you can notice that, hold on, I'm thinking about next year in a negative way, I'm not planning. I'm getting caught up with worries about next summer. I've got stuff in front of me right now that needs my attention. That's a great starting point to just bring yourself back to the here and now.
0: Richard, totally agree with you about being here and now, Uh, which is pretty apt because now is coming uh, towards the end of the the year, Uh, we're about a month away. And there is so many uncertainty uh, in 2021. Uh, What would be your advice uh, for uh, the listeners uh, that they can be mindful of as they start to welcome 2021 uh, in a month's time?
1: That's a tough one. I'll do my best. (laughs) Um, I think the first one is control, remembering what you have control of and what you don't. And to a large extent, almost completely. 2021 is out of our control right now so control this one and the second is uh, to to notice the difference between planning and predicting are you making plans that you'd like to carry out or in your mind are you predicting things that will happen and feeling those feelings now so make the difference it's the difference between uh, it's a little bit like the difference between are you reflecting on past experience or are you ruminating and just going over and over again. So when it comes to the future, are you making helpful plans or are you trying to make predictions? And I think the third one, and I'll finish with that because I think it's the most difficult, but it's probably the most important, to get used to accepting the discomfort of uncertainty. Uncertainty has always been there because we can't tell what's going to happen in the future. But what's happening at the moment is that there's so much disruption. We don't know what regulations are going to look like. We don't know when we're going to get a vaccine. We don't know when we're going to be able to leave the country or hug a loved one. So that's really uncomfortable. But that, that's part of the package. The the discomfort is comes with this experience. So to get used to that discomfort and not try and get rid of it because it's in the trying to reduce the discomfort or remove the discomfort that we end up with problems. So accept that discomfort. It's part of the package of moving into an uncertain future.
0: Thank you very much, Richard, for those tips. And I hope that my listeners will take those tips on board and uh, prepare themselves for 2021, uh, despite all the uncertainties in the world. Um, Thank you again for taking the time to talk to me. And I hope we get a chance to actually invite you back again uh to this podcast and share with us uh your insights
1: thank you very much for inviting me on